back with Vershawn Jackson, sponsored by Wingstop on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Nick Sander back with you guys on a Monday, 402-464-5685. The Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Starter Hammond Text Line, both those continue to be open for you guys. A lot of good thoughts. I was reading them during the break. Um, and this one from Bill and Bennett just came in. Bo had us moving in the right direction, but his temperament got him fired. Getting back to nine wins isn't impossible, but the last few years only shows how bad Mike Riley screwed this program up. There was also this unnamed texture right here that says, Nebraska is behind schedule because Scott Frost has had to adjust to the Big Ten, not the other way around like he had planned. Although he won't admit it, he has been making changes to his offense and staff and recruiting profile to win in the Big Ten. No more undersized scat back type players and up-tempo offense. I, I agree with you. All right, let's head to the Honda Lincoln Hotline where we're joined by Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, it's been a while. How are you doing, man? Hey, Nick. Doing well. Trying to squeeze in a little vacation here before things get rolling, but uh, I mean, there's a lot going on. How are oh, you doing? Oh, no. Are you on vacation? Technically, yes, but I don't consider this work, so it's all good. Okay. Are, are you out of the out of the state? So I was in, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Okaboji oh, yeah. in Iowa. Oh, yeah. Um, I was there for a few days, and I'm going to Denver later this week. So I'm actually in Lincoln today, sort of uh, between things. So it's all good. Are we Are we in downtown Denver this weekend? We are. Okay. We, uh, I, I'm, I'm celebrating uh, a friend who, who eloped and just got married. So we're going to hit up the some Rockies games and... And hang out and, and and do that thing. So when you're when you get into your mid thirties, like me, the, like the guys who yeah. haven't been married, it, it's scarce. So any chance that you can take <laughs> to get out and celebrate and, and kind of do that, you got to grab it. So that's kind of what I'm going to be doing. It, it's funny that you say you're going to be in Denver because, funny enough, uh, I will also be in Denver this weekend. We're staying at a hotel downtown. Um, I got a golf trip I got to go on. So maybe I'll see you. The, the Rockies are playing the Pirates this weekend, right? Pirates this weekend, yeah. uh, Padres here early in the week, so might might catch a couple of one of those. There and, you go. And, uh, we're also staying downtown, so maybe I'll run into <laughs> you out there. All right, that'll be that'll be kind of freaky. Um, yeah, we were going to go to a Rockies game, but then we found out they were playing the Pirates. So you'll probably be able to get them a, a ticket pretty pretty reasonably priced between Rockies and Pirates, I would imagine. Um, all right, we're we're talking to Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, we've we've went down the rabbit hole of discussing Scott Frost and kind of this six to seven year rebuild that a lot of people may have thought was the case when he took over in 2018. But I, I was trying to say that when we talk about six to seven year rebuild, it's a bowl game in year three. It's a Big Ten championship contender type program in year six. Would you agree with that or, or am I kind of off on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... You know, the discussion has always been about, like, it has become anyway, what the floor should be, right? Like, the ceiling is whatever you want it to be. If you think Nebraska should shoot for the national championship or a Big Ten West title or whatever, but, like, the floor, I think, has it, it's been much more agreed upon that, like, you know, be in contention in into November, play meaningful November games in your division, and play in a bowl game. I think th- those are two of the big things. And then for a long time, uh, Nebraska fans have said, just be be competitive in the big games. If you're playing on national television against a ranked team, you know, play like you belong on the same field. And for a long time, 
that wasn't the case. And, and I feel like that was maybe the one that they checked off the list last year, which, you know, they, they didn't get blown off off the field in any of those games. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a gradual climb in, in that regard. I know it's, it's been frustrating. Last year was the ultimate, like you, it, the season was how you want to see it. If you want to see it as a three and nine team, which they were, um, and you wanted to make a coaching change, you were justified in that. If you saw that to say, man, uh, five or six plays go a different way and Nebraska can flip like four games. And so let's ride this thing out. You could make that argument too. And that's ultimately the, what Nebraska's administration saw was if they can fix those little things, if they can make some tweaks instead of overhauling yet again, as Nebraska has been doing for the last, you know, 15 to 20 years, maybe that's the thing that can change. The other thing that I'll throw out there too, and I just, I don't think you can, you can overstate this is how much the sport has changed yeah. under Scott Frost. I mean, you think about how big a deal it felt, you know, five years ago when they moved to an early signing period and then what the transfer portal has become and NIL and conference realignment. And so like, it's so much has changed. And I think even to the point to where, you know, 10 years ago, the kind of head coach that was really successful was sort of the play calling guru, um, the X's and O's type of guy. Um, and I think that's changed in this, in today's college sports to where you, you do want more of that CEO guy, the, the culture setter guy, and, and then let your assistants sort of, you know, you delegate those, those duties to your assistants, the play calling, the scheming, um, and you go from there. And so I, I just think there's been so many things that that's Nebraska, that Scott Frost, that the staff has had to adjust to. Not that everybody else hasn't had to do that too, mm-hmm. but Again, when you start with a new regime and there are all these rule changes that have occurred in four to five years, I, I just think there's been a lot of catching up on the part of Nebraska, and, and that's translated out into what we've seen on the field. Well, we're speaking to Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald, and it's interesting that you say that because one of the topics that I brought up, or discussion points, I should say, is when we're looking at Scott Frost, one of the things he's done really well has been recruit, whether you want to talk about high school guys or um, or even junior college transfers, things like that. The problem has been reten- retaining those guys, keeping them on campus, I-, I suppose. When you look at the defensive line room, and it's a it's a room that lost, I mean, I don't need to tell you, but for the listeners, Casey Rogers, Damian Daniels, DeAndre Thomas, and Jordan Riley are the four big names there. They replaced them with, with some high-profile guys, especially in O'Shawn Mathis. I mean, where's your where's your comfortability at with the defensive line room heading into fall camp right now? Um, I mean, much better than it was four months ago. There's no doubt about that. I mean, when Casey Rogers entered the portal, you're looking at like Ty Robinson and, yeah. and like Nash Hutmacher. And, and that was kind of it in terms of guys that we've seen at all. Um, and so, you know, you got to credit Nebraska for going out and getting Devin Drew and Stefan Wynn and um, obviously O'Shawn Mathis to be that pass rusher on the edge. Um, you know, and I, and again, I feel like – you know, the O-line, is, or I'm sorry, the D-line is a good sort of microcosm of just what college athletics has become because I, I, I really think the perception of the general fan has not yet caught up with the reality of where we are. And that is, if you're, if you're you know, uh, perusing the news and you see, oh, Nebraska lost another defensive lineman or they lost another player, um, you know, the, the, the knee-jerk reaction even three years ago was to say, whoa, you know, there's some serious culture problems going on here. Why would these guys want to leave? What's with this exodus? When really, you know, it's become just sort of 
the, the, the cost of business, right? Like guys want to leave because maybe they want a better NIL deal or maybe they want playing time or maybe they're homesick and there's more freedom of movement to do that than they've ever had before. And so to me, it was just, it was, it was Nebraska doing what you're going to have to do every year, which is you try to keep your best players. If you are not successful in that, you're going to have to go out and replace them in the portal. And, and, you know, Nebraska has, has done that. And so I think it just changes uh, how we view a lot of these different things. I think it changes how we view departures. It changes how we view high school recruiting, which feels a lot less life or death than it did three years ago, because, you know, if you miss a guy the first time around, there's a fairly decent chance that you'll be in the running if he enters the portal in a year or two anyway. So I, I just think there's a lot going on about how the, how the, the system is set up that the general fan is still catching up to to realize, again, just how much things have changed in five years. We're, we're speaking to Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. I, I want to jump si- up, jump to the offensive side of the ball here. Where do you stand with this whole quarterback position or or room as a whole, I guess? I mean, who's your who's your front runner? Who do you think is going to start? Um, and, and then do you think that like Casey Thompson would be able to be put in a better position in a Mark Whipple offense than an Adrian Martinez would be in a Scott Frost offense, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, I, I don't think the system that he'll be in at Nebraska uh, will be all that different from what he was in at Texas. I think okay. it'll be, uh, you know, fairly pass heavy. Um, and, and, you know, the thing about Casey Thompson that's, that's really interesting to me is just who he is as a person is fascinating. The more you get to know him and the more people get to know him, um, I think he's a lot different than quarterbacks Nebraska's had before. I mean, he is a film junkie. He lives in the film room. He graduated in three and a half years at Texas, so he could devote all of his time being in the film room. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be um, – he wants to be a peer to the coaching staff. Like He wants to know as much about everything and everybody as they do. And so – I really, uh, I, the last thing you're going to have to worry about with Casey Thompson is preparation and, um, you know, study and scouting and all that. And so to me, it comes down to athletically, you know, where does that leave him? How, you know, I think one of the, the things to watch about the offense this year is how much does Nebraska utilize that quarterback run game, right? I mean, that was something they leaned on um, too heavily at times, quite frankly, um, under Frost to this point. Mark Whipple does not have a history of leaning on that. So, so what does that blend look like? Um, and as we know, when you, when you put your quarterback at risk like that to get tackled, that's when injuries crop up and that's when you have to have some sort of depth at that position. And so, you know, to me, it's a good thing that this competition is ongoing because even if Casey Thompson wins the job as many expect him to, um, you know, there's a decent chance throughout the course of a season that that backup is going to have to come in for some reason. Um, and, and I think Purdy, again, with, with sort of limited spring exposure because of that foot injury, showed that he can be that guy. Um, and, and I think it's encouraging for Nebraska, too, because, again, Thompson, at the most, has two more years or two seasons in Lincoln. You know, Purdy's got four more. So this is a guy who could potentially be that bridge guy between, say, Thompson and and maybe Pop Watson down the road or whoever it might be. Um, so I think Nebraska is in a good spot there. But, you know, to me, the job is still Casey Thompson's to lose. Nebraska invested a lot of NIL uh, capital, I suppose, in, in him. Um, and, and so we'll see how it goes. But 
I, I would expect him to to win the job, you know, again, based on his performance here in fall camp in a few weeks. We're, we're speaking to Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. He's joining me right now on, on a Monday afternoon. Evan, I want to switch gears to Husker baseball because it's kind of been a tumultuous offseason for Will Bolt's squad, but kind of by design. I mean, should Husker fans panic or, or be kind of concerned about how many changes they're making, or should we kind of just take a step back and go, all right, Will Bolt and, and Lance Harvell, they're doing this on purpose. We, we should be good. Well, I, you know, first of all, I think that, that the baseball situation is another uh, example of what we just spoke about, where like three years ago, if you would have seen this much roster movement, you would have been really concerned because mm-hmm. those guys would have been transferring, having to sit out a year, and you'd really be sounding the alarm. But again, you look around the country, you look at the College World Series qualifiers this year. I mean, most of those schools added four, five, six transfers from all sorts of different levels and leagues. And so that's what Nebraska's doing. And I think if you're if you're a fan and you went to the games this year and, and you saw that they at no point were above 500 and struggled um, in all sorts of different areas, like the bigger concern would be what if they just stood pat? What if they said, yeah. this is good enough, we're going to maybe flip a couple more games and just get into the Big Ten tournament and, and call that good? You know, I, I view this as sort of an SEC mentality. I mean, if, if Arkansas missed the SEC tournament, if Tennessee missed the SEC tournament, there's zero chance that those programs would stand pat and say, well, you know, we're just going to, we're going to develop and, and hope that that's enough and bring in a recruiting class. No, I mean, those guys would hit the junior college ranks and they would hit the transfer portal. And that's what Nebraska has done. I mean, you've seen it and it's continuing where uh, they're trying to, to diversify their offense, to, to bring in some more guys uh, who can handle the bat in, in more of a small ball way. They want more team speed and just like everybody in college baseball, you're trying to build up pitching depth. And so Nebraska is bringing in a lot of those sorts of players. I think the general profile, especially um, on the pitching side, but, but on the hitting side too, is, is players who have had success at the college level somewhere. Um, and then maybe through injury or through some, some bad luck or a bad season, um, maybe their recruiting stock, so to speak, was discounted a little bit. And so I think there are a lot of players that Nebraska is bringing in who again have shown that they have the talent to succeed at the highest level, and maybe they just need, you know, something uh, mechanical tweak or, or uh, culture change or who knows what, but they need something. And Nebraska coaches feel like that they can provide that. And so, you know, credit to this staff because when you see them offer players, oftentimes those players um, don't have a lot of committable offers. And so, what that tells me is that Nebraska has a vision for what it wants the program to look like. And, and it sure went out and hit the recruiting trail hard and trying to find players, you know, to address that vision and become, you know, what they want to become as a team. All right, Evan, last one before we let you go. An- another angle that I always find fascinating is the scholarship limit when we're talking about college baseball. So uh, obviously Division One, the NCAA limits, I think it's 11.7 scholarships for, for collegiate baseball. How beneficial would it be for Nebraska in, in a conference like the Big Ten if the NCAA possibly wiped away the scholarship limit? Because there's been discussions of that. Oh, yeah, there has. And I think that's coming down the pike, you know, in the next couple of years, probably. I mean, it's going to be a major, mm-hmm. major change to the sport, which continues to grow. And, you know, it'll be really interesting because what it sounds like is if it comes to pass, it's going to be up to the conferences, the individual conferences to say, okay, 
you know, if if you have a 35 man team and you want to have 35 scholarships, um, we're going to allow that. Uh, it, it also would be up to the conferences potentially to say, you know, we're not comfortable at that amount, and maybe we want to go up to whatever else, 2015, stand pat. And so, you know, the, the Big Ten is really an interesting case study in what this could look like because you look at, say, the you know the SEC, the ACC. Those are teams and programs that are, that are obviously going to push the limit, um, you know, on what they can do in baseball. You see it in how they commit resources to facilities and recruiting and all sorts of things. The Big Ten is fascinating to me, Nick, because they have all that football money, right? We're talking about now even even coming up a, a TV contract north of a billion dollars. Yeah, but it can't all go into football, and so these these schools, these athletic departments, are going to be flush with cash. But as we've seen, the league has not had a good history when it comes to supporting its baseball programs. And so if you're Nebraska and you want to invest 35 scholarships, um, you know, but say Northwestern and Penn State and Michigan State aren't interested in doing that, what does that look like? What does that dynamic look like? So, uh, I, I, again, I think college baseball in, in two or three years, you're probably even going to have, you know, right now it's, 300 division one teams, you're probably going to have sort of two, two uh, divisions, sort of like the FBS and the FCS where you're going to have the programs. I I think that are all in that are going to be fully funded scholarships. And then you're going to have the schools that say we can't, or we won't go down that road. And so how the conferences shake out uh, is going to be really fascinating and something that if you're a Nebraska baseball fan, uh, you're going to be really interested to see what way the Big Ten goes. Is is there a way or a possibility that the conference, specifically the Big Ten, because they don't care about baseball a whole lot, they don't invest a lot into the baseball, um, the sport, is there a way they leave it up to the schools to decide? Because, I mean, like Nebraska, for example, will have no problem finding the money and finding the support to handle 35 scholarships. And similar, I guess, when Eric Backage was still at Michigan, they would have had no problem finding a reason to bring up 35 scholarships. Is there a way that the conferences could decide to leave it up just to the, the institutions separately? I mean, maybe we'll, we'll kind of have to see how that goes and what kind of pushback there is. But, you know, the big 10 nationally got a, a bad reputation mm-hmm. two years ago when they tried to, uh, when, when, when there was legislation to add a third paid assistant coach. So there's the head coach, the two paid assistants, yeah. And then a volunteer assistant, that's that's what everyone is limited to right now. Um, there was a push among a lot of the conferences in college baseball to to make that third position paid. The Big Ten not only voted against making it paid, but they actively tried to convince others to not go down that road because they felt like they were not willing to invest in that and they were not willing to, um, you know, and, and that, that would that would sort of skew the, the, the competitive landscape, so to speak. And so if, if, you know, if that's the way that they went for that, I can't imagine um, them necessarily putting this out there because then you're talking, you know, UCLA, Nebraska, Michigan, maybe USC, a couple other schools. Uh, you're you're going to have a real stratification of what that, what that conference could look like. So I would hope, I hope that I'm wrong about that. I would hope that you would leave that up to the schools, but Again, uh, we've seen it time and again about how they handle a lot of different things in regard to baseball. Anybody who said, who has tried to watch, uh, you know, a video stream in most Big Ten baseball parks um, can tell you that yeah. there's just not the investment in that sport. So we'll have to see how it goes. 
All right, Evan, sorry I kept you a couple minutes later. I know you're on vacation, uh, but you don't consider this vacation, so we're all good. But, no, I, I appreciate you hopping on. Um, maybe I'll see you in Denver. Yeah, this is not work. I'll uh, I'll see you in the in the, you know mile up here down the road. Sounds okay, good. Okay, perfect. Thank you. That's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Appreciate him hanging out with me for a little bit. Uh, good stuff. Really interesting baseball discussion. I, I think that's something that kind of goes, kind of missed every now and then is the scholarship limit and how conferences are going to kind of handle that. I suppose um, because we know for sure that the SEC, the ACC, possibly the Big Twelve will have no problem finding room and finding funds for those 35 scholarships. But Nebraska wouldn't either. But the Big Ten just does not care about baseball. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole thing develops. Appreciate Evan for for coming on and, and hanging out with me for a little bit. We'll wrap up the Captain Show coming up in a couple minutes in the final segment, and then it's time for the happy hour. And myself, Rico, um, whoever else wants to pop in, Rubber Duck from LinkedIn wants to fill in on Friday. I don't know if he's still listening, but maybe he'll hop in sometime. Just kidding. All right. We'll come right back. Wrap up the Captain Show sponsored by Wingstop coming up in a couple minutes. 93.7 Ticket, ticketfm.com.